Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 321 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is an Ask Scott and Jenny. And in just a moment, I'm going to tell you what the topics are and who the sponsors are. But first, I'd like to spend a brief second discussing how I'm programming the show with consideration to the coronavirus and what's going on in the world. So my family, and I'm sure many of you, have been held up in your homes. My family's been here at home for almost a month now. And in that time, I've been paying attention to the coronavirus, maybe more acutely than some parts of the country, because I live in the New York, Philadelphia metropolitan area. And it struck here pretty quickly. Now, some of you may live in places where it might not reach anywhere near that it has in New York. And I hope that for all of you. And some of you may just be a little behind where New York is right now. One way or the other, I felt like it was important for people to understand what Corona or COVID-19 is. So, you know, back in mid-March, I had Adam Nadelman come on. He's a doctor. We discussed coronavirus kind of in a broad way. Jenny Smith and I talked about Corona the following episode. So these are episodes 314, 315. There were a couple other episodes that came up, and before I knew it, Sarah, who's a listener of the show, reached out and said she's a nurse in New York City, and she's got corona, a very mild case of corona. She came on and told us about what a mild case of corona was like. Adam came back on, Dr. Nadelman came back on again just recently, did a little bit of an update, and in that time, I was able to interview a gentleman named Justin, who's become kind of famous online for being one of the first people to put a picture of themselves up with a mask on saying that they had coronavirus and asking everyone to be careful and and follow the rules because it was serious. Justin happens to have type 1 diabetes. So I couldn't pass him up even though I thought, oh, I don't want too much corona stuff on the podcast. Now, Justin had um, a more significant, uh, more severe case of corona and I interviewed him just the other day. His episode's going to be out after this one. So what I'm going to do this week is put an extra episode out. I'm going to try to strike a balance. I don't want people who aren't interested or maybe are having anxiety around corona to feel like they're not getting content. And for those of you who are interested, I don't want to stop providing the content. Now, I can see the downloads, and the corona episodes are very popular. And so I'm going to kind of override my inner voice that's telling me too much Corona. And I'm just going to try to continue to provide good, solid information that's not clickbaity and not meant to make you upset, you know, so that you'll come back and get more, which I think is what a lot of media does. Just want to offer you good information. You can do with it what you want, but there'll be three episodes this week so that everybody gets what they're looking for. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by Omnipod. Makers of the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing now for a very long time. Gosh, since she, let's think. I already got an insulin pump around the time she was four, and she's gone, and she's 15. She's going to be 16 this summer. That seems like 12 or 13 years. It's hard to know because my math skills are limited. Anyway, Arden has been wearing an Omnipod every day for that time. She's also been wearing a Dexcom CGM. Currently, Arden wears the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and we absolutely love it. You can tell that if you listen to the podcast. That's sort of a no-brainer. I don't really need to tell you. Her meter, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. 
super small, super convenient, lovely, and accurate like they talk about. And of course, you know, near and dear to my heart, Touched by Type 1, and I ask you to check them out at touchedbytype1.org. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player to all of the sponsors, or you can type their links in yourself. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. ContourNextOne.com. And of course, touchedbytype1.org. Let's play the music and then talk about some stuff with Jennifer Smith. In today's Ask Scott and Jenny, we answer one, two, three questions. Wait, yeah, three questions. A couple of them are bigger. I ask Jenny a question. We chat a little bit about the uh, Zoom meetups I've been doing on Thursdays. Come on out and check them if you want. There's links in uh, the Facebook page. This Thursday is going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I guess I should tell you that Thursday's date will be April 9th, 2020. In this episode, Jenny and I are going to answer a question about shutting off basil and how long you can do it safely. I'm going to tell a quick story about meeting some fans in public. I muse a little bit with Jenny about the social meetups and whether or not they're valuable ways to help people make improvements. And I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast as well. And then we talk about extreme management. I put extreme in quotes here because is being healthy extreme? And why do people think of it that way sometimes? I'm going to want you to remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Helen says, I hear Scott say he turns basil off if Arden is running low. We've started to do this for my daughter, Ella, and it works amazingly well. However, we only dare do it for about 30 minutes. We were told ketones develop quickly if she doesn't have background insulin. How long is safe to do? I have my answer. Let me go so, first this time, Jenny. Yeah, you go Let's first. see how you wrong I might be. Sure. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong. You hold tight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold tight. I'll wait. <laughs> Here's my thought. If your background insulin, if your basal insulin is dragging you that low, then taking it away for a little while, it's not really gone because you probably have too much to begin with. Now, if you take it away for a long while and create an absolute black hole where no background insulin exists, then I think DKA can come on very quickly depending on a lot of other physiological implications. How was that? That was actually pre- pretty good. Not yeah. bad? Not bad. Not bad at all. I got to get, in- you know how some people are like online ministers? I just need one like company to start online CDE and I think I could get one. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be like real like you know that while you're being married by a minister of the like blah 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 life church that got something by filling out a form online it's not really a minister but it's legal it's legal i think if somebody would start that around diabetes i'd be okay go ahead You'd i'm be sorry okay yeah no but you're i think that's a really good like baseline mm-hmm. and even a little bit more it's a little more in depth than baseline even because you did go into the fact that if you're on basil alone there's little, literally nothing else left, such as like an overnight. You go on to bed, your last meal in bolus was around six o'clock, it's three o'clock in the morning, 
And you can see that, like you said before, um, Arden's friend, she had a bad pump or a bad pod site or whatever it was. And it was middle of the night. You could see blood sugar was rising. Mm -hmm. There was no other reason for it to be rising. None at all. It was a bad site. So that kind of a deficit of insulin was likely started a couple of hours prior to the rise starting, yeah, right? Because anytime you're at a deficit of basal, you can shut a basal off right now. You still have circulating basal insulin going mm-hmm. for at least another hour, perhaps, hour to two hours, right? So you're really not at that complete, utter zero level of basal yet. Mm-hmm. So a 30-minute shutoff is really, it's nothing. It, it's I'm glad it's helping for yeah. the reason that you're using it for, but that 30 minutes is really like a drop in the bucket of, of nothing as far as impact for causing DKA. Right. And the other, you know, piece that kind of goes into that as well, in this scenario, for example, let's say this low is happening during the daytime and you shut the basal off for just 30 minutes and it helps. For whatever reason, that 30 minutes is really stabilizing things, evening things out into the next hour or two so you don't stay low or Mm -hmm. go lower. Great. But you also have to look back and say, if this was during the day, the low was probably, as long as you've got basils figured out, it was probably not from basil. It was probably from insulin on board from a bolus that drove things too low with whatever other variables in the mix that caused it to happen, Mm -hmm. right? So just that 30-minute deficit again of only basal, it's not deleting any insulin on board from a bolus that might still be in the picture. So again, the risk of DKA, while it is higher on a pump than it is with multiple daily injections, because once you take your injection of basal, it's there. You know it's there. You're never at a base uh, at a deficit of it. With a pump, though, you do have to be careful. And our baseline is when it usually comes in in discussions in summer when kids are going to the beach and using their pool a lot or mm-hmm. you know whatever it might be, they disconnect from a lot of pumps that are tubed. Yeah. Um, we usually say do not disconnect for more than a two-hour time period. Right. Come back, check blood sugar, take a bolus of of at least 50% of the missed basal amount in mm-hmm. that disconnected time period so that you don't have problems with a deficit leading to potential DKA in yeah. the next several hours. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so there's my long explanation. No, that's a great explanation. And and it brings up, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of how proud I am of the podcast and how we can have long conversations about stuff like this because... 15 years ago in the diabetes space, this was the message. You're more likely to go into DK with a pump because what if something happens and you stop getting your insulin? And then that became the rule. Pumps are dangerous. And then people thought that for years until people got other people bought pumps and wore them and proved to everybody, hey, look, I'm still alive. I have a pump. So saying something, and it, it's not a, it wasn't a, an incorrect statement, right? You could be sleeping and rip out, rip out your site yeah. and now you're not getting insulin and that is a danger. Or your cat could chew the tube and you don't know it or whatever. I wish I could name this episode the cat that chewed the tube, but no one would <laughs> listen to it. Um, but 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 the point is, is that we used to say these very basic things because that's what communication allowed. And then right. people were allowed in their minds to take the scariest part of that and run wild with it in their own imagination. Right. Yeah. So I like that we can talk more about this. I like that Helen can now think 
if I give a bolus at noon and I need to make it more aggressive up front because of the nature of the food, but I know that at three o'clock my kid's going to get low, I can still make that bolus at noon, turn basil off at two o'clock, create a deficit of basil at three when the bolus from noon peaks and balance those things out. That is so cool that we can talk about that like that. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, so I appreciate and the And more question. tools, more tools for the toolbox, It's just right? more stuff to understand. I saw yeah. Jeremy in the um, Facebook group. He's uh, being helpful and making fun of me at the same time, which I appreciate. Oh. Because when people, sometimes people are like, I don't know, like, how am I supposed to get to this place where a lot of you are, what Scott's talking about? And my answer always is, you got to listen to the podcast. Like, just listen through it because these things will build. It's not it's not a checklist of five things you just do and it all of a sudden works. There's, you know, variability and, and nuance and everything. And Jeremy's like, Scott's going to say to listen to the podcast. And, uh, and he's like, <laughs> but try this here. And he's both right in making fun of me and he's right about what he said too. Right. Um, because right. this is not a quick fix and it's not information that your brain just learns hearing it one time, you know? Right. So. Correct. And when you, since we've got some time now, yeah, we're all <laughs> coroned up here. Throw on those headphones, go for a walk with your dog, push your stroller, <laughs> listen to it while your kids are running around in the backyard and whatnot. I actually, somebody yesterday that I talked to, um, she and the, their family did come down to Atlanta for the JDRF. Mm-hmm. Um, conference um, to hear you, which oh, was great. But lovely. all the way there and all the way back, they actually listened to the podcast. To the podcast because they weird. had like I think she told me it was like an eight-hour drive there and eight-hour drive home. So um, they drove there and back listening to the podcast. It is really nice. Which I thought was really cool. On my way to Atlanta, um, I was I, I had to park my car at an airport and I got on a little shuttle bus to get to the airport. Um. And there was this woman and her like 17 year oldish son sitting next to me. And we start driving out of the lot and she just stands up and like goes, wait, 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 wait. And like, everybody's like, "Uh Oh, you know, what's this? She goes, I still have my key. So she was valet parking. So her car's still running somewhere, but she left with her key. Right. So she, the driver stops, she runs out, takes the key to the valet. And I turned to the boy and I say, is that your mom? And he goes, yeah. I said, yeah, my wife and I embarrass our kids all the time. And he looks at me really strange to the point where I thought, ooh, did I just offend this kid? Right. And I felt bad. So I kind of withdrew back into myself and stopped talking to him. She gets back on the bus and begins to very kindly apologize to everybody on the bus. Oh, I hope I'm not making you late. Meanwhile, it was 30 seconds, you know, right. uh, she just, I hope I'm not making you late, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, blah. And I looked up at her and I said, I just did something really stupid with my key two weeks ago. If you sit down, I'll tell you about it. It'll make you feel much better about this. She looks at me and goes, are you Scott from the juice box podcast? And I went, what? <laughs> Cause you know, we're on a bus at an airport with, with only right. eight other people. And I said, I am. And she goes, oh, I saw you speak at this thing, and we listened to the show. And just as that happens, the kid's CGM beeps. And I turn to him, and I go, oh, hey. And he looks at me, and he goes, I thought your voice sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. My mom and I listened to the show together. Cool. And I was so like, he, was just thinking he wasn't mad at me. He like was like, weirdo man. <laughs> why is this guy's voice seem familiar to me? You know, and 
it was just absolutely crazy. And then days later in Atlanta, I literally walked into them in a hotel lobby. <laughs> I was like, funny. they're there again. There they are. Yeah. Um, That's funny. It was very, very strange, but um, but nice. It was it was lovely, actually. So you make it, a difference, which I, is you're being kind. But perfect. I appreciate that those it, it was very strange. And it happened two weeks after I was recognized in an airport in Dallas, and that threw me for a loop. That was a, a woman approached me. You told me about that. Yeah. You're just sitting I'm and was like I was getting ready to get on a plane, trying to decide when I was gonna change my shirt, my sneakers, you know, right? like and uh, a person I have music on. And this lovely woman comes up to me and she kind of puts her hand out. And, you know, you're just like, what's about to happen? You, you know what I mean? So right. I'm like, hi, how are you? And she goes, good. I'm like, can I help you? And she goes, sure. Are you Scott? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and who are you? And I was like, were you just at my talk? And she goes, no, I'm in town. My daughter's running a marathon and we're here to support her. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, you weren't just at the thing I spoke at? And she's like, No. She says, my husband and I were sitting over there for 10 minutes looking at pictures of you online trying to decide. And he's finally said, I, I think that's him. Go say hello. That kind <laughs> of stuff, cool. I got to be honest with you, from a diabetes podcast, I never thought. And now it sticks in my head when I'm in public now. Now I'm like, hmm, is there something See, I don't here? think anybody knows what I look like. <laughs> yeah, you, can, <laughs> you just got to keep a lower profile because anyway, now I find myself thinking like, do I have to be nicer in public? <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm not, but like, am I going to be judged by, like, is there going to be a story online one day where like, I saw this guy from this podcast and <laughs> he was being so rude. He was being rude to a lady, you know, which I'm, <laughs> I'm not, but now I'm worried about it. Right. So, <laughs> so silly. Uh, absolutely. So silly. So Jenny, let me ask you a question. I haven't asked Jenny question. Mm. I have, um, I'm doing that thing tomorrow on tomorrow. The, the first, you know, kind of uh group meetup for people. And yeah. I was thinking during this coronavirus thing of starting like some sort of a a challenge to lower your A1C, your your deviation, your variability, like all that stuff. Like we're all just sort of sitting around. Like I wonder if we shouldn't like try to help people. Fun. Like right? Like I'm wondering if when everybody comes on this this Zoom later, if I'm not just going to go through one by one and be like, all right, everybody, hold up your 24 hour graphs. Let's look at your basal insulin and then and then talk about getting basal adjusted for people and then maybe see if we can't get back together once a week and see what we could do about like I, I do a it. Cool thing to do. I do it with single or like people right. by themselves. Like I think I could do it with a group. Why not do it together and teach a big group? Right. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. thinking like that might be fun. You think that would work? I do. And I think from the standpoint of looking, you know, I in in terms of looking at data, when you look at so much data as I do mm -hmm. every day, <laughs> lots and lots of data, lots of people's different kinds of data, you actually start to notice more things. Right. And from a teaching tool, sometimes when it's only your own data that you're looking at, you can kind of get lost in it. Right. Right. But when you bring together a big group, kind of like, like a kids for diabetes camp yeah. or kids with diabetes kind of camp. You know, they they do a lot of things that are interactive like that and they bring the information together and that sort of camaraderie in a setting like this yeah. where everybody's showing a graph, somebody might be like, hey, that looks like this is happening. Right. Or, hey, that looks like this is happening. And not only is it like a learning experience, 
you're also helping other people that you don't necessarily know. I, I, I see no it. Judgment. I see it in the private Facebook group. So if you go on Facebook and search Juicebox discussion group, I think that's what it's called. I named it. I should probably know what it's called. But uh, <laughs> it's a private group where people talk. And there's times people put graphs up. And I'll like jump in to say what I want to say. And, and somebody will have said it already. And I'm like, ooh, great. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll like like somebody's comment and put a finger under it, like pointing to it. Like, this is what I would have said. Yeah. And then there are other times where I, somebody makes an explanation and I think, well, that's better than what I was going to say. And, you know, terrific. Right. So I'm thinking like maybe we can do it like like in a mass. Like we can get a hundred people together and bring everyone's blood sugar down in a week. That's a Zoom call. I'm like, I'm like, people. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can. Uh, and so, uh, and that's then, a cool idea. I hope so. I really hope it works out. So I'm you can even g- have like focuses, like you said, kind of like basil or like even like a challenge of okay, your challenge today is to go home and just pre-bolus for all of your meals. Right. And let's look at what that did from today compared to tomorrow. Yep. What did that do? That's what I was thinking. Oh, all right. I like that you were agreeing. Um, Jenny, cool. Jenny makes me feel better about myself sometimes. Like you said one, no, seriously, you said one time, I forget how you put it, but you said something about like you could do this for a living. I know you don't have the credentials, but you could. And that made me feel really nice. I just, yeah. I never told you that. So thank you. Okay. Let's see. How, when are we, are we an hour and a half today? Uh, I set up for about an hour, hour and 15. Hour 15. Okay. So yeah. let's do, we'll do one more. Okay. Um, ah, Kelsey, I'd be curious to hear Jenny's thoughts from a clinical perspective on the post from earlier regarding extreme, she put that in quotes, management tactics versus being bold and what her take is on lower A1Cs and the pushback in the medical and sometimes social community based on available studies showing no benefit. Also thoughts on lag time of published studies and the advances made in the last decade. Have we talked about this? I brought this up in passing with you once. I just mentioned it as an article. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Right. But, but so I guess what Kelsey wants to know if I'm, by the way, that's a very well-written question, Kelsey. It is. I didn't know so many smart people are listening to this podcast. Um, They're well, all smart. Everybody's smart in different ways. Yeah, no kidding. But I'm saying this is a really well-written question. It, yes, <laughs> it is. Usually people's writing doesn't read well. Kelsey can write is what I'm saying. So, uh, but But to <laughs> boil down what she's asking... I think what she's saying is that there's a way that, you know, the medical community generally talks about this, right? Like, oh, a 7A1C is fine. Um, And then you see somebody say, well, you know, me or somebody else, my kid's got a 5.5 and I just handle that by stopping spikes, you know, making sure her blood sugar's well. I I don't think anything I'm saying is crazy, right? Like it's, and, but to the, the masses, it seems like overmanagement to them because they've been given such a baseline of like, just do this and whatever happens is fine and go live your life. Right. So is her question really, well, her, you know, let's ask, answer her question first. Like, what's your take on doing what you and what you do, what I do with Arden, what a lot of people listening to this do mm-hmm. and what happens when those poor people then go into their doctor's office and then get sometimes really chastised for it. Like, like, I know that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. You and I talk about this privately sometimes, but a lot of people that listen to this podcast, their next leap to make 
is to then talk their doctor out of being upset about it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And we even get sometimes, not often, but again, a lot of the people that end up coming to us to work with us is because with all the information that is out there now and is so available online, we can not only see what other people are doing, but we're also reading, such as she refers to, you know, these studies about lower isn't necessarily proving to be better in the long run, et cetera, et cetera, whatnot. But people want to do better and they want to do better from the standpoint of understanding. And I, I know that we address this somewhat in another podcast. There was a brief talk about this because I had referenced the fact that A1C for the population of people mm -hmm. without diabetes is under 5.7%. Yes. Why are we not aiming for that in a safe in in safety right mm -hmm. with safe constraints i'm not saying run at a blood sugar of 55 so you can get an a1c of 4.7 by no means however why are we not aiming for the goals that people without diabetes already have because their body does it for them right and I bring it in to, and I think I commented before as well about like pregnancy targets. If pregnancy targets are what, what we're aiming for, which is the normal blood sugar that the population of people without diabetes already has naturally, if we're aiming for that in pregnancy, why should somebody go back to aiming for higher or loosening that up once they're not pregnant anymore? Oh, the baby's healthy. I guess I can like, you know, lighten up on everything. Go back to racing to my death. Yeah. Go back to like <laughs> aiming for a target, you know, under 250 instead right. of a target under 140. I, I don't, I mean, from my personal and my clinical perspective, I don't know why that is the recommendation other than, as we've also sort of alluded to or really commented about previously, a safety factor mm -hmm. from the conventional system of management that we have kind of that we've had to use because that's all there is yeah. there is a safety component that i think many 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 practitioners they they don't see the everyday yeah. and so when they see data that's showing them and they're only looking at an a1c somebody comes in with an a1c that's 5.7 they're thinking well gosh this person's got to have a whole bunch of lows or they're or this a1c would not be 5.7 but if they looked at the actual data and now that a good portion of people are using cgms mm -hmm. we should be looking at that to to go along with the actual glucose management indicator or the a1c or the average glucose because if they're achieving an A1C that is phenomenal, 5.5, 6, you know, 5.1, whatever it is, and their time in range is phenomenal and their percent low is not more. I mean, we as a practice aim for less than 5% low. Mm -hmm. So if they're achieving that, why are you why are you upset that they're managing something so well? A lot of and people preventing problems. A lot of people that reach out to me with this story indicate that the doctors even presented with the data, it doesn't stop them from being upset. They're so pre-programmed to believe if you've got a great A1C, you did it wrong. 
right. that no one can get that. And and so I'll, I'll tell you that I've had I had one really 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 phenomenal endo in. I've had a couple of really good ones, but mm-hmm. one really phenomenal one when I lived in DC. Yeah. He was fantastic. He he could side by side par with me on the level of information that I needed mm-hmm. to talk at and he was like he was like a go for it. You know, it's here, let's attack this. I see this could be a problem area. He was happy when my A1C was like 5.4%. He's yeah. like that's phenomenal. And your lows are not in the picture causing this. I mean, he could really talk on that level and he was comfortable about that because I was also, and I think maybe this is also a piece too. If you have the ability to talk back to your doctor Mm -hmm. about what you're doing to get there and to manage that. I mean, if you go in being like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I achieved this or whatever. They're going to be like, well, that's this isn't this isn't safe. I don't see data that's proving that this is safe. You don't really know what you're doing, right. you know? I mean, obviously. But from the standpoint of many of the listeners and many of the people that I work with, mm-hmm. um, I, I I don't love the data that I I read the report that you mentioned mm-hmm. the research report. I don't I don't love that it's kind of telling people that they should aim higher. When we know and diagnose pre-diabetes and diabetes at certain A1C levels. If you're pre-diabetic above this level, if you're diabetic at this level, why why is that then healthy for somebody to maintain once they do have diabetes? I think, too, that anecdotal evidence is more valuable in a time where we can all talk like this. Because, you know, Kelsey makes the point you know, when was this study even done? You know, and just because when it was com- the data collected right, right. and when was it looked right? That study could be years old just to get it out the way that, listen, I'm not saying that the scientific community shouldn't do their studies the way they do. But the problem is you do a study with, um, you know, the proficiency of starting um, a fire with matches. And five years later, when you put your, your data out, there's a flamethrower now. That doesn't match up anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got a flamethrower. I'm not using matches. Why would I use matches? Your dad is 100% right about the thing that you thought of, started thinking about four years ago, except we are in a different world now. So you're using CGMs and um, pumps and, you know, algorithms and everything else. And they're giving you, you know, they're giving you advice from five years ago. Correct. I think, too, it's important to remember. Not everybody's a bad student. Sometimes there's bad teachers. And so if you're failing with bad information, are you failing or are they failing you, right? And so if you start with a person who, like Jenny mentions having a great endo in Washington, right? So she met a person through happenstance who really wanted to be a hands-on endocrinologist and sunk in and found out things and learned things and was good at sharing them with other people. For every person like that, there's going to be a handful of people who, you know, were coming out of high school and going, what should I do for a living? No, I'm good at math and science. I'd like to have some money. I'll be a doctor. My doctor goes on vacation twice a year. This is perfect. You know, and just like there are some people who really want to teach children. And there are some people who just want to have off in the summer. They both end up being teachers. Do you know what I mean? And so not everybody's the great doctor from Washington. 
So if I'm just giving you, look, I read the articles, this is what it says to tell people with type 1 diabetes, so this is what I say to them, and if they're failing, that's their fault, because I gave them the directions. You didn't tell them how to use the directions, you didn't. You left out all these other things. And so again, we used to talk about this a lot more in the podcast years ago, you have to just believe in yourself a little bit and what you're seeing, you know what I mean? Like you can't keep having outcomes that you know are bad. And then turning back to the guy in the white coat and he says, nope, you're doing great. And then you swallow on that big fat pill and just going, okay, I guess it's all right. The guy said it's okay. And I think sometimes it's also hard. I mean, I've heard from many people, not many, but some people who've actually said, well, if I, you know, if I choose, if I choose to work with you or your practice, Mm -hmm. my endo doesn't want to see me anymore. Or if I do all of these things and make my own adjustments I get hand slapped every time. And that doesn't change. Well, you know, in our healthcare system here in the United States, thankfully, many of us with our providers, we've got the ability to change providers. Mm. We can look at our network. We can see who else could I go to with social, you know, connections and whatnot. Now we can even ask, hey, in your community, who's a really good endo? Who's a really good pediatric endo? Who do you love? What do you love about them? I mean, we can like network that way and actually make some different connections. Um, I mean, I got an email from a woman, um, in Canada, actually, probably at least a month ago, who she was asking how they could work with us because she said, our endo makes all the pump adjustments. We literally get hand slapped when we come to the office if we've made any adjustments. She's mm-hmm. like, I even like, I save the adjustments my, I, my doctor gave. Changes I go home and back. I make my own adjustments. And when we go back to the office, I make them to back to what the doctor that recommended. Sucks. And she's like, I, I know he's also not really looking at the data because otherwise the doctor would see that clearly we weren't running on the profile that they told me to run on. I made my own adjustments, right. you know. Um, but they're also being told that a glucose value you, you know, that's in, in United States milligrams per deciliter term was like a blood sugar of 105. They were being told overnight mm-hmm. was too low yeah. to run their child at overnight. And so from that standpoint, you have to say you do. You have to say enough is enough. Right. I, I can't work with this practitioner. They're not willing to expand and allow me to manage something that's 24-7. It's not every three months of management that I come in and I get your feedback. I look at this every single day, every hour of the day. There is no shutoff. Yeah. And it at some point you just have to you just have to say, I can't change this person's mind. And the reasons right. why are unimportant. Like what it be maybe the doctor doesn't understand. Maybe the doctor's lazy. Maybe, 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 maybe. Who cares why? It's happening to you. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to remove yourself from a bad situation. And it's tough because some people will say, look, I don't live near that many doctors. I need these prescriptions. And and listen, I don't know what to say about that. If you've got to suffer a fool to get your prescriptions, then you're going to have to find a way around it. But stop trying to stop trying to make it. What do I want to say here? I have my example popped into my head, but it's too personal to share because it's not about me. Um, (laughs) Not everybody does the right thing. And a lot of people want people to do the right thing. You can't make the fight teaching someone else what's right. Sometimes you just have to get through it on your own. And so if, if you've got some chucklehead 
but they've got a prescription pad, then you've got to put yourself in that mindset. Like I'm going to go play a part for 15 minutes and then I'm going to get out of here and I'm not going to worry that he's wrong. I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to do what I need to do for myself. And I'm I'm sorry if you find yourself in that situation, but if you do still got to protect yourself. You know, yeah. um, and I think from the standpoint of even, you know, her question going further into like the research part of it, mm-hmm. I think if this is the kind of information that doctors are looking at and saying, well, gosh, you know, running with an A1C of 5.5 doesn't seem to be any better than running with an A1C of 7.2. So why, why would my patient want to get down here? I'm going right. to just tell them that that 7, 7.2 is just as good. Well, Again, we don't know necessarily where and when was the data collected from, what kind of information, what was the lifestyle of these people, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we do know that glucose values that are well controlled decrease and for the most part do limit potential complications down the road. Mm -hmm. We know that. Right now, is that to say you're never going to get a complication even if you did this sweet management your entire life? No, of course not. Yeah. Sometimes things, they, they happen, yeah. right? And we don't know necessarily everything because we, we don't know a hundred percent of how the body functions. Right. We don't. Don't you find that most questions around management are probably at the very core of their question? Hey, Scott. Hey, Jenny, how do I stop from anything bad ever happening to me or my kid because I have yeah. diabetes and it's such a sad thing, but you have to. You just have to say to yourself, I can, this is my situation and I'm going to do the best I can with it um, and put myself in the best position to hopefully thrive for as long as possible. And that's sort of it. You know, the rest is sort of out of your hands. Um, Right. But the part you can control, that's the part you should focus on, I think. All right, Jenny, I'm going to let you go live your life. Okay. This was excellent. You too. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to record again in 45 minutes with somebody. Oh, good. That's fun. Yeah. I'm doing two today. Jenny Smith works for IntegratedDiabetes.com. She's also lived with type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Jenny holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. She's also pretty damn lovely. Check her out at integrateddiabetes.com if you'd like to hire her to help you with your type 1 diabetes management. I have more to say. You want to chill out for a minute? Hang. So we did a meetup two weeks ago. There's been two already. There'll be a third one this week, as I told you, on April 9th. Did I say the 9th? Yes, April 9th. It's a Thursday, going to be 7 p.m. Eastern time. Not the point. Point is, did the first one. 75 people rolled in. Very cool. And I thought people would just hold up their graphs or ask their questions and we'd roll through their answers and their answers may help may help other people and other people may have help for them. And it did mostly go like that. But there was something that happened I didn't expect. And I don't know why I didn't expect it because now in hindsight, of course, it seems obvious. But some people were very quiet and they were not wanting to hold up their graphs. As a matter of fact, the amount of notes that I got out that I got afterwards that said I was embarrassed or ashamed or nervous or a lot of different words to describe how people felt to talk during the thing, but could you help me now? That piece 
makes me feel like that what you heard me say to Jenny about like we should all just come together and do a challenge. Like it would be, you know, I maybe that doesn't make that reasonable. Perhaps most people aren't interested in sharing that much. And I get that. So in the second meetup, I just realized let's make it informative. Some people will speak up, some people will be willing to share their data, and some will learn from watching. So while I like the idea of a challenge, I don't think it's reasonable. But what I found afterwards was that getting together is hugely beneficial for everyone there, no matter how they choose to participate. So I hope you come out. Like I said, there'll be links in the Facebook page for Bold with Insulin. I'll try to put something up on Instagram to remind you there, but here's a reminder right here. I think it holds 100 people, so it's kind of first come. The two we've done so far have been in the afternoon, so I'm going to shift it to the early evening to help accommodate other people. So 7 p.m., April 9th, it's on Zoom. Anybody can come and hang out. Just look for companionship, meet new people. There's a chat. People can go off and chat on their own, listen to the conversation, It's just a nice way to uh, distract yourself during this uh, time of crisis. Today's Juice Box podcast was sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been using for most of her life. You can get an absolutely free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent to your home by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and filling out a little bit of information. You can learn about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And to see if you're eligible for a free Contour Next One blood glucose meter, go to ContourNextOne.com. Learn more about Touched by Type 1 at TouchedByType1.org. 10 Second Dance Party.